people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. Good evening, I'm William Hosea. Welcome once again to Bring It On, a multiple award-winning show celebrating 12 years as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting the African-American community. And hello, I'm Cornelius Wright, and we'll also give you an opportunity to support WFHB during its spring fun drive, and also give you the real scoop on what's going on in the African-American world of news and events, all in the next hour here on Bring It On. But first, roughly 6% of African-Americans select pharmacy and pharmaceutical sciences as a major. Aside from dispensing medications, a pharmacist can help patients understand the risks and risks versus benefits of each medication, explore ways to reduce costs, and work with physicians and insurance companies to figure out what medication options are best for each person. The impact of a black pharmacist in the black community can't be overstated. In the black community, a pharmacist has a lot of knowledge is in a position of power. From offering health consultations on allergy and asthma medicines, to prenatal care and the need for vaccinations, to good diabetes and blood pressure management, many from the black community have sought out guidance from their black pharmacists, who often is the frontline health professional. Joining us by phone is John Holmes, an Indiana licensed pharmacist from Indianapolis. He will help us explore the pharmacy career field and the many ways that positive pharmacist patient interactions benefit the African American community. John, welcome to Bring It On. Welcome. How are you doing? Awesome, awesome. Thank you for joining us. Um, John, can you give us a little background about yourself and how you came into, I guess it would be the medical field of pharmacy? Uh, yeah, uh, I did my undergrad at uh, Indiana University in Bloomington, where I studied uh, chemistry and biology. Um, I got a part-time job at Marsh Pharmacy there on the, the south side by the mall, and uh, I liked it. And I applied to a couple of pharmacy schools. I got into the University of Kentucky Pharmacy School, which is a pretty good school, and the rest is history. For for some of our listeners, especially our younger listeners, what was your educational path? And and if we have someone interested in the pharmaceutical field, what would you recommend the the, the their course path would be? Uh, definitely heavy in the sciences and heavy in math. Um, the big thing now is you really got to be on top of your extracurriculars. Because it's such a competitive field, there's so many applications for pharmacy schools. Really, pretty much any professional school there's there's a there's stiff competition as far as the applicants. There's so many that are turned in, so you really have to set yourself apart. Um, you need good grades, but you also need to get work experience at in whatever field you're trying to apply to. So, if you want to be a pharmacist, you need to probably get a job at a pharmacy. You want to be in medical school, you need to be volunteering somewhere that's related to that. So 
a person goes to college for four years, gets a bachelor's degree, and then is is uh, pharmacy school after that? Well, it depends on the pharmacy school. Some are requiring like a four-year under undergrad degree. Uh, some will let you get in there after two years of the pre-pharmacy work. It's a lot harder to get in that way. Uh-huh. Um, but really, you're going to have to take a, there's usually a test for whatever professional school you want to get into. So from, in my case, it was the PCAT. Um, you take that exam, you score well. That combined with strong extracurriculars, strong GPA, and then recommendations. And this is where I think this is the hardest part for somebody coming from, like, the black community is the recommendations part. So when I got to pharmacy school, there were a lot of kids in my class whose parents were already pharmacists or their brothers were pharmacists. So they had somebody to guide them on the path, basically, to get there. And then they all they already had great recommendations because they have pharmacists in their family. Now that brings up a good question. Uh, <clears throat> are there any organizations, black organizations, that mentor uh, young students who may want to get in the pharmacy field to where they have that type of connection? I mean, there may be. I was in a, a scholarship program at IU, and that they actually helped mentor me and guide me on the path to do that. Without them, I probably wouldn't have been able to. I mean, but as so far as a as, as so far as a black uh, uh, organization, a pharmacist that's organized, is is there any type of organization like that? Um, not that I know of. There. I mean, there probably is. I'm not a part of one, but I'm sure there might be one somewhere. So, John, whenever I think of a pharmacist, uh, um, I think about someone who is dispensing medications. So I'm wondering, uh, in your experience, do you see a trend in prescription uh, prescription drugs distributed to African-Americans versus other groups. Like, uh, for instance, black males have uh, are known to have a higher incidence of uh, hypertension. Um, yeah, there's a little bit of that. I mean, you might see blood pressure meds or um, diabetic medications, but it's really, I would say it's less, It's less racial. It's more socioeconomic. Oh, really? Yeah. So, like, so I went to school in Kentucky, and the it was like the Eastern Kentucky is a really high white population, but they have the same like morbidities as as you would see in the black community. So what what's the common denominator there? Um, I think it's like educational disparities, things of that nature, diet. And it, it could it, is it also um, access to to um, 
certain uh like do, do they have food deserts like like you have in the uh, urban communities i mean it's probably a combination of all things to be honest i mean i'm not going to say that I, don't, I really don't like when people say that black people are predisposed to hypertension, predisposed to diabetes. I mean, there might be some of that genetically a little bit, but a lot of it is environment. So in your experience, is it not true? Because we we really do hear a lot of that, and, and I don't hear it being disputed. Well... It's hard to separate it because in the black community, our diet and traditional foods that we eat, they are, they lead to hypertension. They lead to diabetes. So it's hard to separate the two when foods traditionally eaten by black people cause these things. So it's hard to definitively say this is what's causing that, or this is genetic, or this is not genetic. Well, that brings up a, a point. The Affordable Care Act, the insurance industry as we have it now, with the changes that have been going on in the past eight years, have you seen an increase of African Americans getting help at the pharmacy? You know, uh, money was a big problem in a, a lot of instances that they couldn't even afford to get the medicine if they needed it. Have you seen any tangible changes uh, in the past eight years towards that? Well, I can't really speak on I haven't really been in community pharmacy for a few years. Okay. So right at about the time that the Affordable Care Act came out, I I switched to long-term care. But I will say that community pharmacy has always been a place for access to health care, it's free to talk to a pharmacist, whereas if you go to a doctor's office, you have to pay, basically, to speak to them. Advice from a pharmacist is always free, so it's been a, it's always been a quality resource. Now, the one thing recently, <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but it seems that every other day I'm seeing a new drug that's being advertised on TV for this, for that, for symptoms I've never heard of in my life. Is this a trend that the pharmaceutical companies are doing, doctors are doing, and have you seen that increase? And are people coming in saying, I think I've got this and I've got this because of this commercial I saw on TV? Um, You do get a little bit of that, but, I mean, drug companies are always going to make more drugs. Uh, But generally speaking, you don't see a lot of prescribers writing specifically for a drug just because of it's uh, being advertised on TV and that sort of thing. And some of the drugs, you know, that you see uh, being advertised, um, some of them can be really confusing because they'll, in the commercials, you know, they'll talk about the benefits of the drug but then uh, it might, uh, I mean, basically, you take this drug, it'll cure you, but you might wake up dead. Right. <laughs> Side effects, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, I understand what you're saying. And it's just, you know, all these drugs, they go through clinical trials. And if something happens in a clinical trial, 
they basically have to take that for liability purposes. So sometimes there are side effects associated with medications. It really is up to the prescriber and then the patient to kind of come to a conclusion if the benefits of the drug outweigh kind of the risk of it. Right. So, and you know, another question is over the last, I'm going to guess when I say uh, 10 to 15 years, give or take, why is it that we see this explosion of drugs being advertised on TV and radio and, and print media? Did the laws change back then or something? No. Well, you got to understand that the United States uses more medications than like pretty much every other country in the world. That's and because there's more money in it. Yeah, well, it's partly money, but I don't think that we're more sick than other countries. It's just kind of a mindset that we have in this country. Yeah. Now, I know this may not be good for business, but do pharmacies, pharmacists ever recommend to a patient a holistic approach? an herbal approach as opposed to the medication that uh, that they may be subscribed? Um, personally, I like to be careful with that just because um, when you look at, like, vitamins and supplements, they're not regulated in the same way that a drug kept behind the pharmacy is regulated. So... A drug that's kept in the pharmacy may be a certain strength, whereas you get a supplement, it may say it's a certain strength, but the quality is not regulated, so you don't really know for sure. What you're giving. Mm -hmm. What you're getting or if there's any adulterants in it. So, like, everything that's a supplement, it may say good for the heart, but then it also has these claims have not been evaluated by the FDA. They have to put that on there for legal purposes saying that it's not really proven to treat anything. But they have a lot more leeway because it's not medicational, isn't that correct? Correct. Okay. Um, You mentioned something a little, uh, just a couple of minutes ago, about uh, advice from a pharmacist versus advice from a doctor. And, you know, one being free, the other one, of course, uh, 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 you have to pay for. But what are your limitations uh, as far as giving advice? Uh, I I can imagine a doctor, you know, because of the license can, can go, uh, uh, all the way, but are there any relation, any limitations on what you can, what advice you can provide as a pharmacist? Yeah, really. We just have to use professional judgment because we're kind of looking at the picture and not seeing the whole thing. We're just seeing part of the picture. So we can't just give advice on anything because we don't know, what's going on with their diagnosis all the right. way. I mean, there could be other information that the doctors have that we don't have. So the, does that leave the possibility for your advice to come in conflict with the doctor, uh, doctor's advice because you are lacking that diagnosis and examination? Yeah, and that, that road goes both ways. So that's why it's important for to have the doctor and the pharmacist be a part of like a healthcare team because okay. the doctors are seeing stuff that we do not see, but 
we manage all the medication so doctors can prescribe something that may be interacting with something that they're already on or things of that nature that we would be able to catch. So it's, it's really a team effort, and without being that way, it's not the best that it can be. Okay. You know, now pharmacies are almost uh, one-stop shopping for so many different things. Uh, you can get your blood pressure checked, flu shots, etc. Could you let our, our listening audience know of some of the services that you do provi- provide as opposed to just going and getting and dist- dispensing medicine? Yeah, I mean, multiple pharmacies even have uh, get well clinics or minute clinics, um, and they provide a lot of vaccinations. Um, you can get flu shots, pneumonia shots. Um, you can get uh, health screenings, physicals for sports, uh, any those type of things, along with blood pressure. You can get... Uh, counseling on your meds. You can have somebody sit down and walk you through your meds and kind of help you understand what you need to be taking. Now, with that being said, is is there a cost savings going to the pharmacy having these services as opposed to going to your your doctor? I mean, I think it varies among the different pharmacy chains. I know that some chains will offer, like, gift cards for people that come in and get flu shots and things of that nature. Interesting. You know, uh, the, the minute clinic, uh, what you called it, um, it, it was a good concept when it first came out, when, when they first introduced it to the public, but I've been over there a couple of times and it was anything but. I mean, the, the wait time was pretty much no different than what you would experience uh, uh, in the doctor's office. But like uh, Cornelia said, it does give you the option of kind of one-stop shopping when you have the, uh, the, the clinic and then the pharmacy and then maybe some uh, other incidentals that you can pick up right there uh, at, the, uh, at the store. Yeah, and that's kind of like a, a, a misconception that we have as a country. Healthcare, we want it to be fast, but it's never going to be immediate. It's just not safe that way. Yeah. So we're kind of like growing as a culture. We want everything like right now. And we get our prescription, we go to the pharmacy, we drop it off. And to a consumer, and before I became a pharmacist, it just felt like, you know, just put the right pill in the right bottle and hand it to me. There's a lot more that goes into it. And, pl- and please, please elaborate on that a little bit. Uh, let our listeners know that process because that's that's interesting to me also. When you go in, a lot of times you see so many different technicians and people behind the counter. Are all of them pharmacists? Or you know, what roles do they play? And what should we expect as a consumer for time wise when we come into the pharmacy? Well, a lot is going to depend on what time of day it is. How if it's rush hour, it's going to take longer. Um, certain medications may take longer. A compound may take longer to make. Um, we may have billing issues. So a lot of times people's insurance uh, doesn't go through the first time or we're having trouble with somebody's insurance or their insurance has been updated and the patient hasn't received their new insurance card. These things take longer to deal with. So it's just important to have patience when you go there. 
Now, that's a great point. What happens if someone comes in, they need their medication, it could be a life or death situation, you're having insurance problems, they may not have their money, do they have to come back tomorrow, can they get a couple of pills to get them over until that's taken care of, how does that work? Um, it varies from company to company, and it also varies from pharmacist to pharmacist as to what they feel comfortable doing. But when it's life or death, a lot of times exceptions are made. Okay. Sometimes people are given a couple of pills to get them through, or, you know, especially in situations where you know the person, you know the customer, they're regular. Correct, yes. So are you ever forced into a situation where you have to make a life or death situation? Let's say this person has no insurance. I mean, uh, uh, no type of uh, health care uh, provisions whatsoever. So do you go ahead and make an exception and uh, help that person out? And, and, and then I'm sure they'll probably come back uh, and ask you to uh, for your, ask for your assistance again which kind of put you put your back up against the wall. Is that a realistic situation? Well, you just kind of do the best you can, and you, you go with your gut. And if you need to have someone go to, like, an emergency room or seek mm-hmm. that kind of medical attention, you have to do that, too. You really have to know your own limits. Okay. Okay. In our last couple of minutes, uh, one more question I'd like to ask you. Do you have any type of statistics on African-American pharmacists, like what the ratio is, uh, uh, blacks in the industry overall or blacks to whites, uh, et cetera? Um, I don't have any exact numbers. I can tell you that it's not high. (laughs) Okay. Um, In my class of I think there were 136 of us. There were three black males and two black females. I would have said three. Now, in our last couple of minutes, would you let our listening audience know what is the most fulfilling part of you becoming a pharmacist? Is it what you thought it was going to be? And would you encourage other young black folks who want to get into the medical field to become a pharmacist? Um, well, what I get most out of it is just, you know, the relationship with people that you, you build, working with different people, meeting different people that come in. Um, but if a person wanted to get into the pharmacy field, I would say go for it. But it's uh, it's becoming a, a little bit competitive right now. There aren't as many um, pharmacist jobs as there were. So when I applied to pharmacy school, there was a pharmacist shortage. But now there's kind of a surplus. So um, getting work in a larger city can be difficult. Now, if you're willing to go to an underserved area, it can be a lot easier for you. That's basically where nobody wants to go, right? <laughs> right. You know, like okay. if you wanted to get a job on the mountains of West Virginia, it would be easier than getting a job in Indianapolis or Cincinnati or Chicago. Yeah, is is the pay the same? The pay probably will be higher in yeah. the underserved area. Yeah. 
Okay, well, John, we're just about out of time, but we want to thank you for joining us uh, and providing your insight into the pharmacy field. No problem. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you much, John. Have a good night. We want to thank John Holmes, a registered pharmacist from Indianapolis, to, for helping us to explore the pharmacy career field and the many ways that uh, positive pharmacist-patient interactions benefit the African-American community. This is Bring It On, Indiana's only public affairs program dedicated to the African-American community. Here on WFHB, 91.3 on your radio dial and live on the web at WFHB.org. Bring It On has an open submission policy, so if you have an idea for this program, we would like to hear it. Send an email directly to our volunteer staff. The address is bringiton at wfhb.org. We want to make sure we share everything and anything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. The email address, once again, is bringiton at wfhb.org. Hi, Bloomington. This is Charlotte Zitlow from Middleway House. I support community radio WFHB, and so should you. So please call 323-1200 and pledge your support to WFHB. I remember in 1980-something or the other signing an appeal to the Federal Communications Commission to create a community access radio when I was a county commissioner, and that sounded really interesting and really important to me. But now that we've got it, it's much more than I ever expected it would be. We're very fortunate in Bloomington that the folks who put together WFHB did that and that they've made it even better than they ever hoped to have. So please support Bloomington's only community radio station. It's your station for local news and music. Call 323-1200 and pledge your support right now. It's pledge time at WFHB. And we now hand things off to Pledge Central for some updates and inspiring reasons to support Bring It On through your pledge to WFHB. Hi, everyone. And the key word, key phrase there was inspiring reasons. I'm Clarence Boone, producer of Bring It On. and proud to have been producer for the last 12 plus years. And uh, it's been a tremendous journey, uh, an enlightening journey. And uh, just as we heard tonight, uh, many good reasons to tune in. Our theme for the Spring Fund Drive 2017 is Stand with WFHB. We're Volunteer Power Community Radio. Stand with WFHB. And what does that mean? What, what shape does that mean? Well, we have a volunteer core here at WFHB, and, and they come in and they put in, as you might say, the sweat equity and and they roll their sleeves up and they uh, produce and they labor and they present to you uh, top-notch programs. Uh, and, and before we go any, any further, the individuals out there that believe in what we do, we'd like to thank Lottie Terry, who called in with a gift this evening. Thank you, Lottie. And uh, the reason for her gift tonight, she loves the alternative viewpoints that are offered here on FHB. And in, and in particular, I would say I'm bringing on. Um, you know, we have donors who are our lifeblood here at the station, and and the station is is indebted to them and uh, committed to bring to them viewpoints um, uh, to express the open forum that we have here. We exist to provide this open forum for the exchange and discussion of vibrant ideas and alternative viewpoints and issues and to celebrate our, and increase the local cultural diversity. Bloomington is a diverse community for those who are listening outside the city limits or the state limits for that matter because our streams are worldwide and uh, Bloomington sort of is this uh, 
harbor for wonderful ideas and, and viewpoints and even counter viewpoints. And uh, there's value of what you just heard. There's, there's tremendous value in having a, a young black pharmacist come on and starting out in his career. Um, I actually met this gentleman uh, the other day and, and one of the central meeting points in the African community, yes, the barbershop. And while sitting there, we talked about career paths and what excited him most about the pharmacy field and, and really just exchanging ideas on how the pharmacists can be that first point of contact in healthcare. Uh, anything from whether or not it's, it's advisable to, to get vaccinations. For a while, you know, we were all caught up on whether or not to get your child vaccinated or not. Well, yeah, the answer is yes, get your child vaccinated. That's my personal view, not that of WFHB. But then again, there were discussions on asthma and how to treat asthma and eczema and all those things that uh, may even be childhood diseases or childhood ailments. Um, and then from there, talking about, well, in the black community, we're sort of prone to certain things. And how does a pharmacist advise and consult? And uh, John is, is uh, in the budding stages of his career and will no doubt be placed in those positions to sort of serve as that, uh, that, that first point of contact, if you will, for African-Americans. The other reason um, is we add value each week uh, in bringing you diverse topics of discussion. Last uh, week, we I think I heard our crew at their most liveliest when Crystal Tyler Farrell, director of the IU Soul Review, was on. I've never heard so much engagement, laughter, and as as we might say, shenanigans going on. But it was such a vibrant conversation. And if you want to hear that, uh, you can visit WFHB.org and search for Bring It On and go to the, uh, I believe, the March 27th. Uh, broadcast and and download that and listen to that and, and I tell you Cornelius is one of our seasoned uh, co-anchors along with William Hosea uh, and Cornelius Wright last week and he and Lila Randall had a time talking with Crystal and and it just talk it speaks to the engaging nature of this radio broadcast and and how people from different walks of life come in here and just really educate our audience. And, and that's the value, one of the values that, that we bring. And also we're a voice for the community. Uh, we, we went through, I would say, a tumultuous voter uh, season for the highest office in the land. And, and there are a lot of viewpoints that were expressed on this station. And a lot of viewpoints definitely ex- expressed on Bring It On. And, and we sort of processed all that happened, processed what happened afterwards. And we were sort of that safe harbor to come in here and just open up about what we felt and what we thought. And we will continue that. Uh, we will be that voice. And why do you want to support us? And how do you go about doing that? Well, support us because we are community radio. Stand with us. Stand with WFHB. Uh, stand up and be counted. Stand up and, and make your uh, a statement through your dollars. Uh, I'd like to see the phone start to ring. I'd like to see... Someone pick up and dial 812-323-1200 and begin to make your voice heard here at Community Radio Station. You heard Charlotte Zitlow, a longtime friend of mine, talk about why uh, WFHB is valuable to her and why she chooses to support us. Again, how to do it, we have a gentleman out there who's waiting to take your call. And it's a simple process. You just dial the area code. We're now that age. You have to dial area code first. 812-323-1200. Or you can give uh, safely and securely online by visiting www.wfhb.org and you'll see the, uh, the Give Now button, if you will. Click on it and, and give until it feels great. Uh, so I can't stress the point anymore. And we want to get back to more engaging uh, conversation. It's, it's the news time now here at WFHB's Bring It On. And 
We now throw it back to Cornelius uh, Wright and William Hosea in the broadcast booth. This is Bring It On, the People's Forum for Black Culture in South Central Indiana and beyond. To keep up with local news and find out what's happening behind the scenes at WFHB, you're invited to like the WFHB Facebook page. Go to Facebook.com and search for WFHB, or you can always visit the WFHB news website at WFHB.org slash news. It's time now to give you the latest on the people, news, and issues affecting the African-American community. For Bring It On, I'm William Hosea. And I'm Cornelius Wright. Why don't you start us off? I will do exactly that. Um, This from News One. A federal judge rejected President Donald Trump's defense against a lawsuit that claims he provoked violence against protesters at one of his rallies. According to NBC News on Friday, Judge David J. Hale denied the president's free speech defense and ruled that the suit against Trump, his supporters, and his campaign can move forward. Um, Hale found ample facts supporting allegations that the protesters' injuries were a direct and proximate result of Trump's actions and noted that the Supreme Court has ruled out constitutional protections for speech that incites violence. It is plausible that Trump's direction to get him out of here advocated the use of force, the judge wrote. It was an order, an instruction, and a command. Plaintiffs Kaisha Naguana, Molly Shaw, and Henry Brousseau alleged that they were physically attacked by several members of the audience, including Matthew Heimbach, Alvin Bamberger, and an unnamed defendant they have yet to be able to identify. The judge also decided not to dismiss the allegations that Naguana, a black woman, was taunted with racial and, and sexist slurs during the event, reports the outlet. According to NBC News, defense lawyers argue that their clients can't be held accountable because the protesters should have been aware of the risk they were taking by demonstrating at the rally. Oh, really? So they should have been aware that people were going to... Uh, act like complete uh, morons. morons and, and uh, just defy, you know, just have no sense of uh, uh, civility and, and attack them. And if the police hadn't been there, uh, secu- even even though the security guards grabbed the, per- the people who were being attacked, you know, if they hadn't been there, who knows how far it would have gone. Absolutely. I guess they should have known that too, huh? Yep. On a lighter note, as we're about to... Uh, Watch the final NCAA basketball game this evening. A middle school student correctly predicts the final four. Sasha Anderson even put her teachers to shame with her bracket. Newsom reports that while many of our 2017 NCAA March Madness brackets were busted, a seventh grader from Charlotte put everyone to shame. According to the Charlotte Observer, Sasha Anderson, a student at Mount Island Lake Academy, correctly predicted the teams that made it to the Final Four. The seventh grader picked crushed uh, picks crushed millions of other brackets across the nation, in part from a big assist from the University of South Carolina, which was not expected to make it nearly this far. This was not a random selection, by the way. She picked the team for a very special reason. Sasha's bracket was part of a competition designed by her math teacher, Denzel Lawson, who uses the tournament each year as an opportunity to engage his students to learn about colleges across the country in a fun way. 
Lawson has students fill out a bracket at the start of the tournament, and he, he then creates a point system that awards each correct matchup prediction and posts each student's bracket in a hallway for everyone to see. At the end of each round, Lawson highlights each bracket to see which students are in the lead, and that's how he discovered Sasha had predicted the final four. According to the outlet, it was Sasha's first time filling out a March Madness bracket, and her predictions were better than some of the teachers at her school. Sasha believes, and I hope she's correct, that Carolina will win the championship because then I have, will have won the tournament three straight years. So, yes, come on, Carolina. Is that right? Yes. Okay, go for it. <laughs> Patrick Ewing returns to Georgetown as head basketball coach. Assistant coach Patrick Ewing of the Charlotte Hornets looks on in the first half against the Boston Celtics at TD Garden on April 11, 2016 in Boston, Massachusetts. Georgetown has agreed to hire former star player Patrick Ewing as the new head coach of men's basketball, a source told ESPN's Jeff Goodman confirming multiple reports. Ewing, currently the associate head coach of the NBA Charlotte Hornets, takes over for John Thompson III, the son of his former coach with the Hoyas, John Thompson Jr. As previously reported, Ewing met Monday with Georgetown, Georgetown officials while the Hornets were in town to prepare for their Tuesday game against the Washington Wizards. According to ESPN, Ewing was the preferred choice of Thompson Jr. The former athlete for him, the former athlete played for him from 1982 to 85, guiding the program to three national championship game appearances and one title. He went on to have a Hall of Fame career in the NBA, playing 15 of his 17 years in the pros with New York with the New York Knicks. Ewing is also a two-time Olympic gold medalist. Well, I wish him well. There's never been a Hall of Fame coach that's really succeeded on the college level. So good luck, Patrick. Yeah, good luck, Patrick. And that was a look at African-American headline news from around the world for this week. Tune in again next week for the latest news on and for the African-American community. We want to know what you think of current black issues. Send your comments to bring it on at WFHB.org. And for WFHB, I'm William Hosea. And I'm Cornelius Wright. Hi, Bloomington. This is Lucy Shake from the City of Bloomington Volunteer Network. I am community radio, and so are you. What I really like about WFHB is the diversity of programming. Every day I can hear music, voices, and viewpoints that reflect the community that I live in. I have always turned to WFHB to expose me to new music and to direct me to events in the community that I would never have known about otherwise. If you're listening to WFHB, you can't help but be involved and engaged in the community. Again, I'm Lucy Shake from the City of Bloomington Volunteer Network. I am community radio, and so are you. Please support Bloomington's only community radio station, your station for local news and music. Call 323-1200 and pledge your support right now. Once again, it's pledge time at WFHB, and we hand things off to Pledge Central for some updates and inspiring reasons to support Bring It On through your pledge to WFHB. Thank you, William, and and I hope you enjoyed uh, just a sort of a sampling of our news segment. We typically... Uh, read more stories about five to six maybe squeeze a seventh in there and we may even do that tonight <laughs> but one of the exciting things about wfhb is that you're going to hear a lot of news that you typically don't hear uh every day uh, we may reinforce uh, current news and current events but we try to find things that are sort of off the beaten path but are relevant uh, for the african-american community 
part of WFHB's mission is to contribute to our community's cultural diversity. What do we we mean by that? Well, WFHB News does this in a couple of ways. One is regular cultural coverage in a multiple show format. It's a carefully brewed mix of local and world culture, and by offering open media access to cultural groups with no other media representation, we create this low barrier media model. Uh, our volunteer base reflects our community's diversity, and certainly that's true at Bring It On. All of our volunteers um, uh, are committed to to trying to enhance the African American African American community and to bring uh, a slice of our culture to the listening audience of Southern Indiana, South, South Central Indiana, and beyond. And and then also, WFHB News offers a variety of different cultural. Uh, programming, such as the only Spanish-language public affairs show in Bloomington, which is Ola Bloomington, the only African-American public affairs program in South Central Indiana, of course, that is Bring It On, the only gay and lesbian radio show in the entire state, Blooming Out, plus frequent special programs such as the annual Homelessness Marathon and co-productions with Indiana University, community access television services, and more. So again, what that what does that mean for you, the listener? Well, you can search up and down your radio band, and and you you're not going to find the type of programming that's going to educate, challenge, entertain, and uh, perhaps uh, have you think a, a different perspective on current news and views. And being a part of the the news department here at WFHB, uh, we like to think of of it as this as our way of giving back to the Bloomington community to raise the level of understanding of various cultures, especially the African-American culture, uh, to sort of showcase the, the triumphs within our culture here in, in South Central Indiana and in Bloomington in particular, to talk about those things that if, if we don't check them, may set us back as a culture. And we have uh, uh, brought some things to, to, uh, to the forefront to discuss that at times may not be very pleasant, but are needful. And we will continue to do that. It's, uh, it's what we say as exploring that open form, uh, that, that neutral form, if you will, for the exchange and discussion of ideas and issues. And all along the way, celebrate and increase the local cultural diversity. So again, our appeal to you is to pick up that, that phone and smile, and smile as you dial and, and donate your money. Uh, 812-323-1200. Again, 812-323-1200. And also... Go online and give safely and securely at www.wfhb.org and you'll see a big Donate Now button. Click on it and just make your uh, donation to Bloomington's community radio station. And now we're going to throw it back to Cornelius Wright and William Hosea in the broadcast booth. This is Bring It On, Indiana's only public affairs program dedicated to the African American community. Here on WFHB, 91.3 on your radio dial and live on the web at WFHB.org. It is time to highlight a few local events of interest to the black community with our weekly event calendar. For Bring It On, I'm William Hosea. And I'm Cornelius Wright. Okay, the MLK Commission is hosting a new event this year. MLK Remembrance event to honor and remember Martin Luther King Jr., the evening will consist of activities, games, and reading for children of all ages and their families. It's actually titled Remembering the Legacy. An evening of activities and games uh, on this actually tomorrow, April the 4th, from 6 to 7.30 p.m. at the Banneker Community Center. In remembrance of 
Dr. Martin Luther King, commissioners and community volunteers will be present to read stories to children and their families about Dr. King and other African-American and civil rights era role models. We will utilize resources from the Banneker Center's Evans Porter Memorial Library. Participants can help construct a timeline of major events in the life of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and the civil rights era. Families will co-create their timeline in the context of events taking place in the 50s, 60s, and beyond. More fun and creativity can be had in a room dedicated to arts and crafts. Dr. King's life can teach so many lessons, and the lesson that one person can make a difference is what this is all about. Indiana University Group's students will help lead children and their families in messages with meaning and beauty. Besides refreshments, there will be a proclamation that Elm Street between 7th and 8th Streets next to the Banneker Community Center will be for the evening named Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Street. For more info, contact Michael Shermis at mlk at bloomington.in.gov or you can call 812-349-3471. Sounds like a great time. The City of Bloomington, the Commission on the Status of Black Males, is having a Black Barbershop Initiative on Thursday, April 20th, from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. It will be held at the Razor's Image Barbershop, which is at 223 South Pete Ellis Drive, number two. There'll be free health screenings for blood pressure, A1C, non-fasting blood glucose, HIV testing, body mass index calculator, and there'll be presentations on the colorectal cancer awareness, diet and nutrition, mental health, and physical fitness. For more information, contact the Commission on the Status of Black Males by email at safeandcivil at bloomington.in.gov. Um, and please, ma'am, please, sir, we just got through talking about our pharmacies and, and, and what they provide for the black community. This is an opportunity to come get free health screening. So please come on out, bring your mom, bring your dad, bring your kids, everyone come out and get checked out. IU Bloomington Provost Lauren Robel cordially invites you to an event in honor of the legendary Bill Garrett, Indiana's Mr. Basketball in 1947. The first African-American player on IU's basketball team, 1947 to 1951, named All-American 1951 coached the Crispus Attucks High School basketball team to state championship in 1959, the only Mr. Basketball to win state championships as a player and a coach. An unveiling of a State of Indiana historical marker commemorating the historical achievements of William Bill Garrett will take place on Saturday, April the 8th at 11 a.m. on the grounds of the IU School of Public Health Building, 1025 East 7th Street, that's on the corner of 7th Street and North Forest Avenue in Bloomington. Parking available at the Indiana Memorial Union parking lot. And the African American Arts Institute presents one of my favorite things in the, three in the springtime. The first is the African American Dance Company Spring Concert, which is April the 8th at 8 p.m. at the Buzz Kirk Chumley Theater, which is located at 114 East Kirkwood Avenue. For ticket information, call area code 812-323-3020. And then the IU Soul Review will have their spring concert Saturday, April 22nd at 8 p.m., also at the Buzz Kirk Chumley. And the African American Choral Ensemble Spring Concert will be April 29th, 8 p.m., 
also at the Buzz Kirk Chumley. And for ticket info for all events, it's area code 812-323-3020. Patrons purchasing, purchasing a student ticket will need to show their student ID at the door. If you have an event or happening the African-American community should know about, please send that information directly to the Bring It On staff. Or if you want additional information about a calendar item that you've heard tonight, you can contact us at bringiton at wfhb.org. This is Mike Conway from the Indiana University School of Journalism. Please call 323-1200 and pledge your support to WFHB. I've been a longtime listener to WFHB. I think the station does so much for us here in Bloomington and throughout the area in so many ways. First of all, through the great music, I think that inspires the local musicians and really is kind of an anchor for kind of the local music scene here. And that's where I find out about so much great music. And especially for me, the news and public affairs. We WFHB does so much for us in terms of covering the stories that don't get attention in other media outlets and the idea that it's all of us doing the reporting, volunteers that are out there covering the stories and bringing to light issues that are important for us here in South Central Indiana and especially Bloomington and Monroe County. Very important part of our community in so many ways, WFHB. So I hope you'll pledge your support. Remember the phone number is 323-1200. Call WFHB and pledge your support during this fun drive. This is Mike Conway from the Indiana University School of Journalism. And once again, it's pledge time at WFHB. And we now hand things off to your Pledge Central for some updates and inspiring reasons to support Bring It On through your pledge to WFHB. Remember, smile while you dial. Hi, everyone. It's Clarence Boone again. And uh, I was just telling Jim Thrasher, Jim, this is the quickest they've ever read calendar. I think it's a conspiracy. I think they want to put the producer on the spot to make him earn his keep, which is all volunteer power, by the way, everyone. But uh, nevertheless, uh, we, we have a seasoned crew. And, uh, you know, they, they mean the world to me. But uh, tonight they were from the Evelyn Wood Speed Reading class. Uh, anyway, the WFHB model of news production is all about empowerment. And what does that mean? Empowering local citizens like you and me with a platform for engagement, and so we offer what we call, again, the low barrier approach to doing all this. And we provide training to all regardless of background or experience. We empower the listening audience by providing key information not heard elsewhere. Uh, FHB News offers a wealth of information, such as you heard tonight on how to improve your own quality of life. I mean, where else are you going to hear from the mouth of a pharmacist on uh, some of the challenges he confronts and some of the ways that he tries to improve the quality of life of of his uh, patients and, and those that come into a pharmacy. And we don't screen our stories because they're too small or not sensational. And what you are doing in the community makes a difference and we want to tell everyone about it. So empowering the entire community by giving everybody a vote on how to use our airwaves through your pledge of support. Think about your relationship to WFHB compared to traditional social, social or so-called public media. You are a part of these conversations. You control the content through your involvement, feedback, and financial support. We are member-owned and member-run. Pledges are votes for programs you believe in. Pledges are votes for a cooperative media system that puts you first. And I could say that to a person, there are multiple donations coming in yet tonight that may not come by phone, but of course will come from the volunteer base. And uh, we are always thrilled when the phone rings, and that sort of uh, clues us in to... You know, when we're doing something good or uh, as, uh, again, I go back to Lottie Terry's 
rationale, you provide alternative viewpoints and that's valued out in the community. And so that's what WFHB and bringing on stands for. Uh, one thing I'd like to say again is, um, how do you go about supporting us and why should you? Well, let's, let's talk about the why first again, that low barrier, uh, model of providing news content to you and allowing you, the listening public to get engaged in that. And then also informing you on, on some viewpoints that you may not hear, uh, on, on mainstream media. Uh, we provide that local analysis, that local, uh, observation, uh, that, that local perspective on some things that, uh, may uh, not get addressed. And so we're here to address it for you and we do it on your behalf. How to do it? Pick up this, the phone and smile and dial. I like to say smile and dial. You can hear me smiling right now. Is, and I want you to smile as you dial 812-323-1200. And give from the heart. Uh, make a gift that will uh, keep on giving. Uh, support Community Radio. Support WFHB. Support Bring It On. And now for a final time, it's my pleasure to announce that we're going to throw it back to Cornelius Wright. And William Hosea. From the oh, Times. we're going to hear Please from Bob Salzburg first. Community radio station, your station for local news and music. You know, I'm all about news and local news, so WFHB is a place where I can get Bloomington news. And it's also important to me that, that the community stays engaged in local issues. And without WFHB, I mean, 20 years ago, the community was engaged in local issues, but the engagement has expanded by a tre tremendous amount in the last 20 years. So for WFHB's uh, involvement in the community and for WFHB's commitment to news, I salute you. Call 323-1200 and pledge your support right now. We want to thank John Holmes, a registered pharmacist from Indianapolis. Uh, he helped us explore the pharmacy career field and the many ways that positive pharmacist-patient interactions benefit the African-American community. Uh, Evelyn Wood, my show's executive producer, is Clarence Boone. <laughs> With help from WFHB News Department Director Joe Crawford. Our news editor is Michael Nolan. Our board engineering team consists of Jim Thrasher and Floyd Hobson. Our original theme music was created by Jamil Effiam with additional background tracks by David Baker. For WFHB, I'm William Hosea. And I'm Cornelius Wright. Thanks for your donations to WFHB and to Bring It On. Tune in next week on Monday, April the 10th at 6 p.m. for an update from members of the Indiana Black Legislative Caucus on another exciting Bring It On broadcast right here on your community radio station, WFHB. You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.